Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right. Yesterday, I had a chance to catch up with former Off the Couch guest, Patty O'Leary, just before he had to hop in a sauna to cram in some last-minute heat training for pacing duties at Western States this Saturday. Patty and I spent some time recapping Broken Arrow Sky Race, which wrapped up its weekend of races on Sunday, before launching into a discussion about his proud win at the 112th Dipsy, the oldest trail race in the U.S., We also got into some of the Dipsy's quirks and idiosyncrasies, details that are part of what make it such a special event. But before I bring Patty on, I want to take a quick minute to remind you guys that registration is now live for our 2024 Blister Summit. From February 4th through the 8th, we'll be hosting a series of summit events in our hometown of Mount Crested Butte, Colorado. Expect a bunch of on-snow activities and demo opportunities from industry-leading brands, panel sessions with company founders and professional athletes, daily restorative yoga, a bevy of food and drink options, and a whole lot more. For more info on what to expect and how to register, check out the link in the show notes. All right, and finally, I also want to remind you guys to leave us a rating or review after this conversation wraps up. Little things like that really help us to continue to put out new episodes of the podcast each week. Okay, let's get right into my chat with Patty. Patty, welcome back to the show. It's great to be back here, Matt. I'm delighted to be, uh, to be on, on the show chatting with you and updating you on all the chaos that's going on over here. Yeah, so there's a few things I wanted to get to with you, but I thought we could kind of just work our way back chronologically. Um, we're recording this the Monday after Broken Arrow weekend in Palisades, Tahoe, where you raced the VK on Friday and then the 26K on Sunday, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of Broken Arrow to you, because I knew you've been going up to that race for for quite a while now. Yeah, so I think I, I did the count the other day, and I think I've been, it's my sixth Broken Arrow, and maybe my 10th or 11th event competing at Broken Arrow. Like it started, I think the first time I joined was in 2016. I think the first year of it might have been 2015. And just the importance that they stress for everything beyond the running, but the community, bringing people of all different, like, abilities together and valuing all of them from the winners all the way back to the final finisher um bringing in different collaborations with for example this year they brought eleanor my fiance in to make the art the trophies for it so that was super cool and just it's like it highlights some of the best parts of northern california with like the sierra nevada the race had this year the race 50 percent of it was on snow it's such a unique thing but also what they do is like they have the race starting and finishing in Olympic in the village in Olympic Valley. And that's so it's like a lot of the races here in the US are out, out in the wilderness. But I love and they might just start in a field or somewhere like that. I love the ones that start and finish in a town because it has the vibes. It creates this community atmosphere all all week long, all weekend long. There was weddings just walking through by the start line. And they were like, what on earth are all these people doing? There was kids with lacrosse sticks going from a camp walking through. And they were stopping, looking at looking at the ultra runners running up and down the mountain. And like, maybe that will inspire them to say, or they, maybe they, now they've realized people can run up and down this stuff. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And I also think it's, it's smartly timed, right? Because you have everyone there for Western Stakes, which is this coming weekend. Um, so it turns into this big, like, 
big party uh, with the who's who of, of ultra running. Um, and I think you're right because there's so many different distances too. There's really something for everyone. It's just so accessible. Everything from like in the the kids race yesterday morning um, was super cool to see like kids like three, four, five, six, up to like 10 throwing down in this race. And it's so much fun, so much tears, so much smiles. There's a bit of everything, all of the emotions packed into like a 400 meter race. Yeah. How did the snow affect your uh, your race? Um, actually, what affected my race the most, our race the most, was the um, well, say I'll talk about the twenty three k yesterday. Um, we woke up to like eighty mile an hour winds across the top of um, the top of the the summit. So um, they decided to push the race back an hour and to reroute it to two eleven k courses. The eleven k this year they made it substantially burlier than it was before. It now goes up over KT twenty two, which is one of the peaks there. Um, so the course was fast but like relentless it was like two loops and with one immediate like over three miles like a 2000 foot climb where you're going across snow steps leading up to the top of that then you traverse slightly along the top of the mountain across some snow hockey ridges and then straight into a snow descent where you're dropping like 500 feet in like half a mile just i managed to run down the whole thing cautiously in the first lap and just let loose in the second but um, a lot of people were getting on their arse and just sliding down. Um, that race, one of the challenges, but kind of one of the things I really enjoyed was that by the time we were, the elites were finishing that first loop in 45 to 50 minutes, whilst the people who were maybe at the back of the pack, they might be only two miles in at that stage. So we were like, once on the second lap, like two or three miles in, we're already starting to pass people. And I had some friends out there, so I said to pass and cheer for them. They were able to cheer for me. But then it was kind of very gypsy style where you're chasing. Right. People. A lot of the elites were like really frustrated with that. And I was just loving it because like people are cheering you on. You're cheering them on. Keep going. Keep going. So that was great. Um, but then on that snow descent, like passing, because there's a lot of people sliding and slipping, falling, you're like dodging them on the way down. It's kind of like Mario Kart. It was really fun. Yeah, I think I saw a video of uh, Nick Handel, who came in third for the 46K on Saturday, uh, glissading down, and you could see his ass cheeks just like rosy red. How are your ass cheeks? Uh, I didn't have to glissade down at all. There we go. I stayed on my feet. Um, we didn't have to. What he glissaded down was up in the Shirley ball loop and we didn't get to do that because of the okay. reroute and um, so that was like the ultimate like bobsled or luge or skeleton whatever approach you want to do to go down that but then on friday the i found this over air the air course on friday was probably 75 percent snow they took yeah. us straight out of straight up like a 30 or whatever degree slope after about half a mile three quarters of a mile we hit the first snow wall where instead of the usually they used to loop us around this fire road now we just went straight up this sheer gonna guess 40 degree or something at stages and um, slope where they, the bottom half they hadn't really dug in steps and the top half they dug in steps and laid down two ropes but that bottom half i was just like i didn't know where to put my feet i'm just not used to snow so i ended up i was up with the front of the field and got dropped by like a minute or two there so i kind of lost my way with the front pack but then once we got to mile one crest over the top of that it was onto more runnable snow and this long climb up to um up to the the top of the race itself and i was able to like turn on there so i said the pack can get a few places back and um and race and throw down and, and drag on a couple of friends with me to say come on let's go let's chase let's chase let's chase and um, so that was super fun do you still feel like fatigue in your legs after racing a, a vk and then following that up with a race on sunday or is it kind of like a good kind of tune up to get your legs conditioned and it's a good tune up to get your legs conditioned get your mind conditioned get your stoke conditioned um 48 hours is a decent amount to recover and 
even though at the time you are redlining so much in a VK and you're like just wrecking your body so much, at the end you're actually not terribly tired. It was only three miles, like yeah. 40, 45 minutes, um, which is kind of like a hard, a hard, very hard workout. But um, usually I bounce back pretty well to the 23K. I think I, I don't know much about adjusting to elevation. I um, Maybe it's a good primer for that as well, of just like getting your body used to just like running in hypoxic conditions. Yeah, uh, I don't think that does affect it, but maybe mentally it helps. Yeah, and also you got to take the tram down. Yeah, we had to take the tram down this year. We used to run down, which is super fun, but then um, yeah. because we're building the KT, this new lift there, we weren't allowed to go down underneath that, um, except in the race. But uh, I've seen, like, off the top of that, I've seen, like, Max King and some others just, like, slide down off of, like, the biggest double black diamond, which starts right there at the at the top of the VK route, uh, slide down that. So that was definitely crossed through several, it was crossed through our minds, but uh, we decided not to. Yeah. Any other fun storylines come out of this year's event? I know you were duking it out with your uh, fellow countryman, Zach Hanna. Yeah, so Zach Hanna, who's staying in the house with me now, he's been over here this week. He's uh, Ireland's like BK, vertical kilometer specialist, like Ireland's best mountain, like short distance mountain runner. Um, this weekend was my first time getting to race against him. And this is a lad who was fifth in the world championships last uh, in Thailand last year. Um, finally got to throw down against him, but like the first race was in the vk which is his specialty i could uh, i was with him like right behind him up until that wall and then him and the group got me a little bit and then he ended up he was fourth and i think the winner was like high 39 he was fourth in high 41s i was 12th in low 45 so it's like three minutes back from him and he was fourth i was 12th but then the 23k would have been closer to what i'm used to i'm a 50k to 100k runner but i can throw down in the short runnable stuff or the short fast stuff um the first lap yesterday, he ended up like going out real hard. He was like fourth at the top of the first climb, but then he started dropping back. And I was like maybe 18th in that position and I started going forward. Um, so I was like every time on the second lap, every person I saw knew them. I was like, where's Zach? And they're like, two minutes up, three minutes up, two minutes up, one minute up. Um, but then it was challenging because in front of you, you'd see all of the first lappers but you wouldn't see like who is the person who I'm racing against on the second lap. And hey, yeah, my bomb down the, there was like two miles of fire road descent and I was like maybe doing 430s, 440s down that. And, but I wasn't like going 120%, like digging myself in a big hole because I kept asking people, they're like, no, there's no one close to you. Jeff Stern told me, there's no one in front of you in your race, though, in your lap of the race. You're good. You're good. Just coast it in. And I was kind of disappointed because I was really wanted to catch him or catch someone. Cross the line, and they're like, yeah, Zach just finished like 30 seconds in front of you. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, maybe I couldn't have caught him. Maybe maybe I could have caught him. A little fire under his arse. So he was 14th. I was 15th. Gotcha. Close. Yeah. Um, but he has now, he has like, uh, he has this to hold over me now, which yeah, which he will. Where is he from in Ireland relative to where you're from? He's from Northern Ireland. So he's from, um, I can't remember the name of his village, but close to Newcastle County down. In the foot of these, the Mourne Mountains, which is one of Ireland's most stunning mountain ranges. Um, is it T.S. Eliot wrote the line, The Witch and the Wardrobe, right? Yeah. Correct. So that was uh, inspired. That book was inspired by the Mourne Mountains where, where Zach grew up. That's awesome. This was his first time in the States, right? Everything's bigger in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what uh, he saw his first bear yesterday. Oh, cool. Uh, we saw our first raccoon last week in San Francisco. He had his first taste of root beer two days ago and he spit it out immediately. 
He's uh he he's he's enjoyed it a lot. He's enjoyed it a lot. He'll definitely be back uh be back to race here, back to do other races. It's super cool. All right, we got to talk a little bit about um Eleanor's trophies because I think like I got a chance to see him in there so interesting and so unique and i'm curious about what the reception what the reception was like to them yeah um so for other people eleanor schultz is uh my fiance living with me here in san francisco she is a a fine artist with, who focuses on using wood burning called or pyrography is the correct name for that for burning these designs onto onto wood and then also making like um wood block prints and just started to get back into more painting but last year, Brendan approached her about maybe making the um, the trophies for the winners and also designing the hats and the t-shirts and the buffs. Um, so yeah, she ended up designing the design that went down to the hats and for the finishers, the buffs for the competitors, and then also a t-shirt that was available, which I'm wearing right now, actually. It looks really good. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Um, but then also the trophies for um, the winner, winning male and female of the VK, the 23 and the 46. Um, Brandon had the requests he had was something that he wanted people to like value for the rest of, her li- of their lives. And um, kind of Eleanor saw on that that was like, okay, well, I want it to be something that's functional because often you see trophies and like people just it gathers dust on the shelf somewhere. Um, so she wanted to make something that was really useful. So she made a, this stunning table lamp. Um, with these, she uh, used a laser cutter to cut these beautiful panels onto this beautiful multi-sided uh, shape form. Um, and then she put a lamp into it and then she um, cut in these beautiful uh, lupin plants, which we see all over the race course. So it was really, really relevant and fitting. And like the reception she got were great. And it was actually three friends of ours won three of the six trophies. So three people were quite close to and so that was super cool and they were all stoked to win uh, mikey sinceri who won the 46k he said like halfway through the second lap it just popped into his mind that wait if i hold the lead i get to win one of the trophies and so that was super cool to hear yeah those things are i, I definitely know that i would have pushed a little harder if that was at the finish line yeah and give her a follow at insta eleanor uh, to see her beautiful stuff all right we'll include a link uh all right patty i think we should talk about it the 112th running of the Dipsy took place last weekend, and after taking second place last year, you crossed the finish line in first this time around. Uh, before we kind of get into your race, I'm wondering if you can kind of provide a little bit of context for us um, about like what the Dipsy is loosely and maybe some of its unique details that make it so special, including like its format and stuff. So the Dipsy race is the oldest trail race in the U.S., some of these minor details I might mix up. So um, apologies to Barry Spitz, who is the Dipsy historian, if I get any of the details incorrect. I think it was ran for the first time, I think in 1905. These members of a sports club in San Francisco, the Olympic Club, they had a bet to see who could run quickest from Mill Valley across Mount Tam to finish at Stinson Beach um, on the Pacific Ocean coast. Um, and there was no rule in terms of what they could take whatever route you want. It was just fastest person to the end. The first couple of decades, they had a handicap system where people would guess what time they wanted to do, and then the fastest people would start at the back, so the slowest people would start at the front. But then in the 60s, they actually changed that to be age and gender handicapped. So, for example, how it is now, at 8 a.m., this 7-mile, 12-kilometer route, they start the 18 above men, the 65 and above women, or maybe 16 above women, girls, 6 and below boys. 
then every minute for 25 minutes, they let off a new batch of runner. All the way down to 25 minutes later, they let off the 20 to 25-year-old men. So older runners will start before young adults. Young kids will start before young adults. Women start before men. But it's the first person to cross the finish line wins. So one year could have an eight-year-old girl wins it. Another year could be a 67-year-old man wins it. Last year with a 27-year-old man who won it for the Eddie Owens won it for the first time. Someone under 40, a male under 40, won it in decades. Um, so it's super cool. 1,500 people do it on a series of stairs and rooty single tracks with several shortcuts where you can take it down through poison oak-filled uh, ravines. And uh, yeah, there's chaos out there, carnage. It's one of the greatest races. Um, it's it's just such a such a unique event. Right. And I, I think like we should we shouldn't gloss over the fact that like the theoretically the faster runners have to pass everyone that has gone in front of them. So that adds another kind of dimension, which uh, you mentioned uh, was replicated a little bit in uh, Broken Arrow. Yeah. yeah. So with the um, for example, I started I am 35 years of age, so I had a two minute head start um, two minutes behind me was a 20 to 25 year old man. A minute behind me was a 25 to 29 year old man. Um, but I still had 650 people probably to pass, maybe 600 people to pass um, on this single track. So it's uh, super unique. There's a lot of shouting on your left, on your left, and kind of barging into, you have to take go over into the poison oak on the side to keep going because you want to get by a group of people. Because it starts immediately, it starts from Mill Valley, runs about four or five, 600 meters along a road through Old Mill Park, this little redwood grove, and then straight into the Dipsy Stairs, which is three flights of something like 680 steps where you already have the traffic jams of people in the older age groups already on that so you're trying to barge your way through and like slide your way through and everyone's stepping to the left to let you by but then it's it's just chaos it's perfectly chaotic yeah i also just love how each section of the course has developed its own nickname over the years you know like there's windy gap suicide dynamite hogsback cardiac and uh as well as all the shortcuts swoop insult on your final descent there's uh, about two miles to go uh, you get into steep ravine you go down through steep ravine stairs you cross the bridge and then there's this little 50 foot kicker of a climb and they call that insult but that's where the race could be made or break made yeah broke. one of the two one of the two yeah and i i think it's it's been run every year since its inception um aside from covid there was one year during the great depression when they couldn't get enough funds and then during world war ii which is incredible it's fascinating like when i crossed the finish line the guy who was holding the finish line tape i chatted to him right after the race he won it in 1968 um the guy it was a guy handing out the finishers medals i think he won it twice in like 74 and 78 and it's just this history the people like people who are towing the line or like who were racing against me were multiple winners. People who've won it all the way since the 80s were uh, doing the race still. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. How much do you know about Jack Kirk, the Dipsy Demon? Demon. Um, the statistics I will butcher, but like what, how many times did he competed in a row? So I have it. I have it here. He finished the Dipsy 67 consecutive times from 1930 to 2002 which is just crazy yeah and jack kirk didn't he live off the grid down in the yeah. in the sierra nevada for like for several decades something like that um we i know we talked about that during um the dipsy film night that you you dj'd a while back but yeah he was just kind of like 
lived on his own like parcel of land and didn't really want to be bothered, but would show up to to Mill Valley every June. Yeah. If any of you are interested, there is a short film about the Dipsy Demon, Jack Kirk, and it's available on DVD online. If you just Google the Dipsy Demon, Jack Kirk DVD, you'll be able to find it and, and order it. I would really recommend it. Um, there's some just such great stories out there about this race, which is super cool. Yeah. And uh, each of the Dipsy Stairs has a plaque on it that I think like you can es- essentially buy with and have your name on it. How do you do you know how you go about getting one of those? Just a, a sizable donation, a sizable donation, which I don't think I have the money for. So I haven't looked into it yet. Yeah. But Jack Kirk has the final stair. And they say, I think how many steps is there? 680. So I, I looked this up ahead of recording. There was 688, but uh, there was a renovation a while back and now it's a clean 700. Clean 700. So they used to say you go to the 689th step is when a, a dipsy racer passed away. But now it's, I guess it's the 701st step. Yeah. Yeah. Take me through your race just briefly. Um, what was going through your mind? So I knew what a chance to, I knew I had a, a decent chance to win it. Eddie, the winner from last year, he was injured going into it. But also I would have had a two minute, it, when you win it, you get a minute penalty for the next three years. I think I was feeling pretty strong going into it. So I was like, I don't think he could have gap that took those two minutes back um, to pass me but I knew there was some very good athletes there Chris Lundy who had won it in 2017 and 2018 I think she was moving into a new age group she might be there was an age group in the lower early 50s I think she moved into last she was gaining an extra minute and she was losing her penalty minute from winning in 2018 and so she was going to have two minutes that she didn't have last year Uh, last year she was still like fifth and she still ran a sub 60 minute dipsy. So like for someone in her early 50s, she is flying it. She's a spectacular athlete. Um, so I was worried about her. Dan Fitzpatrick, um, 65, who's won it in like 2013, 2014. She's always like, she starts in the front group. She's always so tough, so tough to catch. I think two years ago, I caught her on the last corner. Maybe last year I caught her with about a mile to go. Um, she's obviously someone to worry about and then there was a new guy Fred Huxham who um, this was his first year doing it in, in like 10 years maybe um, 27 years of age but he was like a uh, standout uh, 10k runner at um, University of Washington cross country runner there who I think is like a sub 29 10k PR and he'd been out doing a lot of workouts on the course and doing pretty impressive times up cardiac which is the second climb the longest the two, like a mile and a half two mile climb Um so I was kind of concerned about him because he would have started just one minute behind me. And then obviously there's like Alex Arner. He's like done the fastest time at this nine years in a row. Uh, a good friend of ours. Uh, he's always someone to worry about because no one knows the course better than him. Um, and then you also don't know who else is going to show up out, right. of the work, out of the woodwork. So then on the start line, I started with two minutes to go. or I started with a two minute penalty and I just got to the start line. And I was talking to Jeff Stern, uh, who was also in the, the, the Y handicap start. Um, not a really good runner. Um, like oh, consistent black shirt winners. So black shirt is for the top thirty-five runners. Um, I was talking to him because we we're both going to do Mount Marathon in a few weeks, and I was just talking to him. It's like, oh yeah, that's just exciting, intimidating. And then all of a sudden, I hear two, one, go, and I was like, oh, they didn't give us a build into it. And then I just took off, mainly out of fright that the race had started, and I took off way too fast. And like immediately, you see the photos and videos about fifty meters in, I already had like a five-meter gap on everyone else, and they were Alex and Jeff were like what is Paddy doing? He is going to crash. Yeah. And I got into the stairs, started the stairs quite a bit ahead of them. 
And usually I'm running up the stairs with those lads the previous two years. And yeah, I was like, but my mic, like my head felt really weird during that first couple of miles of that race. I was like, I felt very lightheaded. And I'm like, God, am I bonking? Am I having a bad race? I don't know what's going on. But then I would look at my times at the different checkpoints throughout the race. I'm like, but I'm running faster than I've ever ran before. What's going on? And I've gapped the lads ages ago. And I think I'd got down to Muir Woods with mile two, two and a half. And I was well ahead of what I'd ran before. And I started the cardiac climb. And then it just dawned on me that I think I'm in the zone. And I hadn't been there. I had, maybe I hadn't never realized when I was there before. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm racing well. So then I just kept charging. Um, got to the top of cardiac. There was like two or 300 people there. A lot of friends cheering for me. I didn't see any of them. Tunnel vision. Straight through across the top, except I was shouting at, where's the leader? Where's the leader? And Kim Gaylord uh, was and Chris Tober and I think what we're like six and a half minutes ahead down Fitzpatrick you're in 11th place so I was like let's go um so just started picking people off I picked off uh, Misha Shemankin his mom is I think maybe 66 picked her off and moved into 10th place on the, on the top of cardiac and then just started passing people on the way down through the shortcut through swoop through steeper beam I think I moved into fourth place by passing Clara Peterson who was where did she finish last year? She was fourth or fifth last year. Uh, was she third? She might have been third last year, actually. I think so. Third last year. Behind, behind, yeah, I think you're right. Eddie, myself, Clara. Yeah. So passed her and she cheered me and I cheered her, which is really cool. Uh, and on Steve Ravine stairs. Um, I think she was saying, she said she heard, uh, she heard me coming. She was like, oh my God, Patty is coming quick. Get out of the way. And uh, so she gave me a lot of room and she was like, go, Patty, go, go, go which is super fun, just the interactions you have with other people out there and the people you're racing against. Then going up insult out of Steep Ravine, I caught Julia Maxwell Bailey, um, who she hadn't done it in like 10, 12 years. I think she was like a 12-year-old. She hasn't been back since. And moved into third. And then I come out onto, there's a, the Dipsy opens up quite a bit. And there used to be a shortcut where you get on the highway, but now you have to stay on the trail. Coming through there, there was about a big open fire road ahead of you with a small little climb on it. And I looked down about a quarter mile ahead of me. I could see Diane Fitzpatrick about to start into that little climb. And then about 150 meters behind her, I could see Chris Lundy. And I'm like, oh my God, that's first and second. Yeah. There's a chance I can catch these. I can catch these quite quickly. And then I just charged, charged, charged. Like I think I ran my final mile. It was like a 450 or something. Um, and as we're coming up to crest, this small little climb with about a mile to go to the finish, Chris had just passed Diana and she said she led the race for two seconds and then just as I passed her but it would have been a cool moment for people to witness because it was like the, the three of us crossing this little hill together winner Dan Fitzpatrick won it twice in the early 2010s Chris Lundy won it twice uh, in the late 2010s and then myself it was super super cool super fun and then I passed them I'm like okay don't get caught by someone coming charging from behind me so keep going keep going and don't fall don't trip because there is one more shortcut where you have to jump over this little style and jump down four or five, four, a four-foot drop or five-foot drop onto the highway where there's like a lot of people fall there. And But did that, going around the second last corner, I saw Matt Mitchell. He was cheering for me. I did not smile because I was just like, go, 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 go. And then took the last corner and uh, yeah, crossed the finish line to, to win the thing. So yeah, I kind of surprised Barry Spitz uh, across the finish line because I think they hadn't realized, hadn't me communicated through that I'd made that pass. But I was like the second time I'd surprised him at the finish line. The first year you entered the Dipsy, um, you start in what's called the runner section where they give you a 25-minute penalty. 
and from so you start the, the invitations go from 8 to 825 and then from 825 to 850 they start the first year runners and they have to try race past 1500 people to try finishing the top 50 percent because then they qualify for the invitational status the following year first they give you a award they give an award for the fastest runner the highest place runner from the, the runner section and the first year i did it in 2019 i ran a very fast time from there 50 minutes 51 minutes from the runner section and came 499 proudest top 500 finish ever um and but i surprised barry spitzers across the line they, he was like i don't believe someone ran that fast from the runner section who is this guy so i'm glad to have surprised him at the finish line twice with my times yeah barry is so fundamental to that race too like he's at the finish line every year announcing hundreds and hundreds of names and just knows more about that that course than than anyone else except maybe alex Warner. yeah so barry spitz has been the finish line announcer for the last 40 plus years i think he's done a couple he's done the race a couple of times himself he is he has wrote he's like dipsy's historian and so he has wrote a book on the Dipsy, the greatest race. I think he's released every few years. He releases an update of it. So you can check his website out. Um, I ordered the book and Barry, if you're listening, it hasn't been delivered yet. So I need to follow through and get my want to, I want to read the book. Um, yeah, it was super cool. Back in March, I decided to hold a Dipsy film night. A friend of ours, Alex Massey, um, made this film about Markel Taylor, who was part of the Thousand Mile Club at San Quentin. Um, they made a film from the shadow of the mountain. And it was about Markel participating in the Dipsy. And Alex hadn't done a premiere for that because filmmakers are often terrible at elevating their own event or their own like products. So I was like, Alex, I'm going to host a, a premiere for you. And his film is five minutes. So I was like, oh, I feel guilty bringing people on just to show him a five minute film. So I was like, okay, let's do a Dipsy film night and let's do a panel discussion. So we had the premiere of Alex's film with a Q&A with Alex and Markel, the star of the film. But before that, we showed two older Dipsy films. So cool. Tim Amix, who just did the Dipsy, this race, the Dipsy this year for the, like, I think his 42nd time or something like that. And he made a film, it's on YouTube, about like the 85 to 1990 Dipsy, highlights of the winners all throughout that. So we got to watch that and that was amazing. And then we got to watch the second film, Survivor Survival Run, which is about, oh, his name is not in my mind right now. I'm, I'm blanking on it too. Um, he only recently passed away this year, but he was a blind runner who's done the Dipsy. Um, Harry Cordellos. Yeah. Um, Harry Cordellos, who's who done the Dipsy multiple times. He was a blind runner, and they made a short film about him doing it as a blind runner with a guide. And that was a super well-done film. It's called Survival Run. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I'll link to all these. Yeah, and then we also showed, um, we also did a panel discussion with Barry Spitz, uh, Alex Mariner, nine-time finisher, did it for the first time at like age 12. And then Carolyn Latham, uh, who had got her first black shirt last year. She got a second one this year. And she, that was like her 10th time doing the Dipsy or 11th time doing the Dipsy. And she did it for first also as an early teenager. So it was cool to see people who are such, to host this discussion with people who are like Dipsy fanatics. Yeah, it was, it was really special. Uh, have you seen uh, On the Edge? A fictional film about this guy kind of refining himself through running during a age handicapped race in Marin County, which is basically the Dipsy. Uh, it's meant to be a pretty wild film. Yeah, starring Bruce Dern of of all people. Uh, I've seen parts of it. It's it's cool to see because they film it in Mill Valley, obviously, and it's cool to see like Tam before there was like a bunch of vegetation, Mount Tam. So we might have to 
we might have to watch that at some point. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Patty, what's uh, what's next for you? Next for me this weekend, um, you'd mentioned that Broken Arrow happens weekend before Western States. Next weekend, I'm pacing Western States. I'm pacing rookie Chucky to the, to the finish, my lady to mile 100 for a, a TNF teammate of mine, Jixing Shen. So he's from the TNF China team. Um, he's been over here for two or three weeks, and I'm uh, linking, syncing up with him to pace the last 20 for him. It's going to be his first 100 miler, his first time racing in the US. And first time his his young son, who's maybe 18 months old, first time he gets to see Jishen race, uh, which is super, super exciting, super cool. He's a very fast runner. He was fourth at CCC last year. So um, I got my work cut out for me, keeping up with him uh, at the end of the race. But the previous two years, I paced Drew Holman and barely held on to Drew when he came third and fifth. So um, I've got a... Uh, good precedent for for success pacing people in western states hopefully we can keep that going yeah sounds like you're about to hop in the sauna too so you're you're being sauna heating up inside being being smart about uh heat training sauna training started very late because i didn't want it to impact my broken arrow or gypsy somebody starting like yesterday yeah um but then a few days after that i'm going to do another historic and iconic american race uh, mount marathon up in alaska which is the toughest 5k race in the world so it does in a mile and a half it climbs 3000 feet and then you turn around and descend that same 3000 feet it is a very intimidating event i've done the race course as it just as part of a run and i was like this is the sketchiest most idiotic thing i've ever seen i should do it so i'm chopping up to alaska some friends living up there going to stay with them and i'm going to do that race on july 4th and i'm pretty excited about that yeah and they generally do a really good job of broadcasting that race so uh yeah if you have internet access tune in for that for sure or um friend ricky gates made a film for solomon running back in 2000 and um, like maybe five or six years ago so just look up um ricky gates mount marathon and there's a great video on youtube about that as well yeah i'm super excited about that to get a a lot of friends who are doing it as well. Jeff Stern is coming up from SRC. Uh, my North Face teammate, Zach Miller, is going up to do it. Um, Darren Thomas, who lives up here in Reno, who was second at the VK, who has become, who has come third, I think, maybe second at Mount Marathon. He's going to be up there. So we have a lot of friends uh, up there. Um, so super, super excited to do it. There was actually, I met four people who are down from Alaska to do the Dipsy. So I'm going to see them up there as well. That's perfect. Which is great. Uh, we're on their territory now yeah yeah well i'm sure i'm sure passing people will help yeah 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 all right patty well i'll I'll let you uh get into the sauna um this has been this has been great thanks for chatting with me yeah i was always always happy to to have just a great conversation with a great friend and it's even really cooler to share these stories with uh with the world thanks for doing what you do That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Patty for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.